here with Dr. Peter Lee at RTS uh, Washington. Peter, no one else is here. Gray is in New York teaching for their campus. Scott Red is, I believe, at the board meeting of RTS. And so it's uh, Paul Jeanne is is not here with us so it's it's just you and me today just old testament new testament indeed we can talk about whatever we want i don't think this has ever happened i know this is crazy where where um, timo's out planting a church so he's not here to interview us right so it's just wow it is just uh true biblical theology it is true pure biblical theology indeed. today at the rts washington podcast it's and about we, time We've decided to talk about wisdom. We got the we kicked out everybody else. We got the two wisest people available now that everyone else is gone. Right, and, and we've decided to talk about wisdom in Scripture. Part of our series uh, related to our kind of reading guides series. We've uh, started doing various themes in Scripture. Um, themes are another way of kind of tying the Bible together, seeing the coherence of Scripture as a whole, and provides angles along which we can see the fullness of God's revelation in the death and resurrection of His Son. So we've chosen wisdom as a um, as a theme for that. And uh, Peter, you threw down before we started recording that um, you think that it's easier to do that from the Old Testament than from the New. So you want to you want to explain sure. that? Sure. Well, I don't think, it, you know, I'm not trying to be controversial. I mean, I would never do so in front of an old, of a New Testament guy at any rate. Right. The, uh, we have clear, and again, as um, I, th- I think we did discuss this at some context in some previous episode, that there is some questions about wisdom as an ancient genre. Is there such a thing? Uh, and there are some who have challenged that notion, which is an important question. You know, we, we take uh, genre analysis as a reading guide, as a strategy to begin uh, understanding books. Um, but we can't take modern genres and apply that to an ancient context and presume that they just did it the way we do uh, things. That's sort of the error that's done in history mm-hmm. or historical genres. Right. And we presume that they're interested in in history the way that we are, which you know it just didn't exist in the ancient world. Right. You know, so did wisdom exist? And you know, that's a larger question that perhaps we can discuss in a different episode. But you know, I'm inclined to say that yeah, it, there does seem to be something that we can call wisdom um, as distinct from prophecy, from uh, covenant, from um, uh, from biblical law, genre, uh, uh, genealogies, and other things. For that reason, we actually have real clear-cut examples of wisdom literature in the Bible. We talked about the book of Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, as examples of, of literary works dedicated to wisdom. So from we, an old... did, we did Job, and we, we haven't done Proverbs yet in our reading guides. No, I don't think we have, yeah. uh, and that's something we ought to do, perhaps. Um the but we have books to discuss wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some wisdom, um, uh, wisdom psalms, Psalm seventy three, uh, being one that comes to mind immediately. So, from an Old Testament standpoint, I guess that's what I meant. From an Old Testament standpoint, to discuss wisdom is at least we have a very clear cut beginning point in which to do so. Uh, as I think about the New Testament, and this is not meant to be critical in any way. It's just. Uh, to observe the fact that there is no real book of wisdom 
in the New Testament canon in the same clear way that we have in the old. Uh, the book of James is yeah. about as close as, as we have. You know, you do have wisdom sections um, uh, in 1 Corinthians 1 and 3, uh, and Christ is definitely portrayed as a sage, a wise mm -hmm. man mm -hmm. uh, who is dialoguing with the wisdom dialogue of his day. So it's not that it doesn't exist. It just, it's, you know, if you want to discuss New Testament wisdom, you know, where do you go? And, and it's not as clear-cut as, as yeah, it is in the old. That's interesting. We did do a reader's guide for James and discussed it as wisdom literature, or as wisdom adjacent, at least. It, it, it participates in the wisdom tradition of the Old Testament and the teaching of Jesus. I think Jesus, in, in Gospels, uh, we talk about Jesus as a traveling preacher, but when we do Hebrews to Rev, we talk about Jesus as a sage, as a wisdom teacher, and he he brings the kind of the kind of form and material that you find in say Proverbs or Job. You'll find in the preaching of Jesus, but in both of those cases, it's mixed with other genres as well. It's not kind of like that pure proverbial. Um, you'll find Jesus, you know, uh, preaching in a more classical sense. Uh, James. Uh, clearly engages in you know longer kind of um, explanatory and didactic sections as well. So it's yeah, it's it's mixed in the New Testament and yet participates in that same wisdom tradition in the old. But I was wondering, rather than talking about genre, what about wisdom as a concept? Wisdom as a theme? You know what what you, you I remember in your reading strategy on Job, which was really helpful to me that the question that Job is trying to answer is, where is wisdom to be found? Um, so Job is a book of wisdom, but it also addresses the need for humans to have wisdom. How would you define wisdom in that sense, not as a genre category, but as a, a value, as an attribute, yeah. as a characteristic, that uh, a virtue, let's say, that we um, have and by which we image God, that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's... Uh... A hugely important question. Um, you kind of preempted the one I was going to ask you. I was going to ask oh. that same question. Hey, tell, okay, tell, well, tell me, how would you define wisdom? What What are we talking about here? You should have sat at Mike five. Mike three doesn't get. You don't get to ask as many questions from Mike three. So let me uh, answer by ant, but with a question. That's a great question, Tommy. What do you think? The, <laughs> we're going to go real fast. Going nowhere here. <laughs> Welcome to the faculty podcast where no one else is here, um, just Peter and I. We don't have Scott here to, to dump everything <laughs> he onto. Would, and he answer. would totally give us just this good definition that's biblically sensitive and also interacts with you know modern contemporary conversations. Is, on is the this topic. all going to be in the? We'll see. Okay, what, we'll see what Timo decides. Um, as far as definitions of the, of wisdom go, James provides a a good starting point. At least he, he assumes you know at least to some extent, what the word means. But then he tells us in uh, verse 5 of chapter 1, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Uh, and then later, so, so you get this kind of God, wisdom is not something that humans discern merely from like experience, but it is God-given. It is a gift that comes from God. Uh, and then Later on in chapter 3, we have, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom or meek 
wisdom, perhaps, as, a, as another possible translation. And there it goes on to, to contrast wisdom with jealousy and anger. So I, you know, here we've got like wisdom is navigating the issues of life. It is cultivating humility, and it comes from... Uh, it comes from a divine source. It's something that God himself gives. And uh, I, th- James is not making that up. He's getting it from the Old Testament. Uh, so, uh, you know, Peter, you could reflect a little bit on the, on this from, from the perspective of Proverbs. Wisdom is, what is it? It is fear of the Lord. Yeah, I would, actually, I'm glad you put it exactly that way because that has, that is exactly how I have put it in, in classes when we talk about the definition of wisdom. What are we dealing with here? Um, I have defined it broadly as um, maneuvering through the uh, the difficulties of life and doing so successfully. Yeah. In other words, uh, wisdom uh, is eminently practical. It's something that gives you clear direction um, clear guidelines on, on within certain circumstances and scenarios. Um, and, and you find that in Proverbs uh, real clearly, uh, that under certain st- circumstances, this is how you are to live, and this is what you are to do, and this is how you ought to think, and, um, and that's how you will succeed and kind of work through all the uh, different road roadblocks that you might run into. I like the biblical perspective though, because it's it's more than just kind of pragmatics. It's more than just uh, life hacks. You know, opening the can the canned goods, your your canned vegetables upside down, right? Because that's how you're supposed. To, you know, that's the better way to do it. So it you get all wise. the good stuff at the bottom. You know, you don't have to wise. scrape the can. Yes, but it's more than just life hacks. It's it's actually it's or rules for living. Um, though it is practical, though it engages the, and, and you can see this in James, James gets busy in our wallets, he gets busy in our relationships and how we treat others. You know, he, he is very much interested in lived community and navigating that wisely. So he's very practical, very pragmatic, and yet at its core, wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is this relational category. It, it is about, in particular, my relationship with, with God. And do I approach that as one who is, um, who, you know, do I approach God with a godly fear? Um, and that, you know, fear of the Lord, that's a, a strong biblical theme, one that needs to be unpacked a little bit. How, how do you define fear of the Lord? I know that's a greatly debated topic. What does it mean if if cultivating wisdom is about fearing God? What does that mean for yeah. me? How how do I do that? How do I address that? Yeah, I'm, gosh, I mean that's such a. I mean, you know, Proverbs is known for this right. uh, as saying that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. A proper. It's interesting that in wisdom literature, that's where it's really um, uh, most at home. That concept of fear. Um, it's not faith, it's not love, it's not fidelity in a manner of speaking. It's it's a fear of the Lord in wisdom literature. It um you know, it, it, what it doesn't communicate, and it, and it helps for me to always define this in a way by saying what it is not, or what should it, it not instill. And what uh, the fear of the Lord does not mean is is some sense of um trepidation and and a lack of desire to be in the presence of God. 
in many ways, you could say that the the Old Testament, the Bible as a whole, is um, instilling the grace and the gift that we have to be in His divine holy presence as finite, frail, depraved mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. by the grace of God. So to to now talk about wisdom as if this is something, you know, to be avoided is clearly not what wisdom is to, or what fear is not talking right. about. So I would say at least we begin with this idea that this sense of um, of, of fear as we might define it as something to be avoided and thus avoid God is right. not what we're talking about. Right. Here. We should remember fear as a real, you know, fear in our approach to God is a pre-fall category. We don't fear God because right. uh, he is judge and we are sinful Although that's true, we fear God because He is Creator and absolute, and and, our, our, and that our seems to me the reason why it's fear. Uh, mm-hmm. Fear does instill a very strong Creator-creature distinction that mm-hmm. God is God and that we are a creature. Um, that there is a reverence, a holy, awe-inspired uh, sen- uh, sensibility that we are to have as God because um, because of His um, status as the Creator King. Uh, for that reason, our posture when it comes to knowing how to maneuver through life is to respect that that distinction that he is creator and we are creature. We don't right. interpret creation for that reason as we want. We do so as he designed it to be. And for that, and if we understand that, then we can maneuver through life properly. Uh, we're sort of following the ebb and flows as he initially created. Um, made creation. And and so I think that's perhaps the reason why you see this this virtue of fear more than um, faith. I, I don't think it's any different than faith, but in the context of wisdom, what really has to stand out is that creator-creature distinction, thus fear. Uh, uh, you know, faith is still implied in that, of course, so it's not like they are mutually exclusive, but but it's a a an awe-inspired reverence for God as creator that we need to have in, in order to live uh, life wisely. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I like that language of awe to kind of capture what a godly kind of fear means. And I can think of it as analogous to certain kinds of relationships that we sustain in, in, in kind of ordinary life when you approach uh, someone that you really respect or honor, when you, re- when you approach uh, the men, your your mentor, for example, or or a hero, or um, e- you know, even even our earthly fathers, you know, that we treat them with a kind of honor that ordinary people, the hoi polloi, don't don't receive, even even as even as an adult, right? So awe kind of captures that respect, kind of captures that. But one of the things that God also does is. He, he, we we approach him in awe. We approach him in fear, but it is it is an approachable fear. Right. It, it is an it is an assured fear. You know. Again, father is a great way of when 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 families are working well. The idea of of approaching one's father is a good way of kind of capturing that that language. And of course, that's what we find Jesus doing um, in his own life. He 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 has a a. A fear of the Father, in that sense, um, uh, not my will, but thine be done, um, both in his in his earthly ministry and then climactically at the cross. And and that's important. In fact, uh, you know the the setting of wisdom dialogue 
generally, not always, yeah. but just you know, the general setting in which wisdom is discussed is actually a father-son dialogue. Uh, and you find that in Proverbs. Interesting, yeah. Right. Ecclesiastes. In fact, one of the um, uh, distinctive markers of wisdom literature, it's really, it's it's a passing on of 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 wise sayings from a father to a son, you know. Uh, and again, I, I kind of alluded to Ecclesiastes. It's exactly that. You don't know that till you get to the end of the book. Right. But at the end, you realize that Here's a father trying to teach his son, and he's using um, uh, this wisdom book here uh, to teach his son wisdom. Proverbs, of course, is just filled with this. Um, in that sense, you know, it's always a little challenging to know how to preach through mm -hmm. wisdom literature because it's not. You that. Yeah, it's not really set for a, an ecclesiastical setting. It, the the setting is, and it's not impossible, obviously, but. Um, but the way in which you do it has to be done with a little bit, well, a little bit more wisdom <laughs> to, to know how to, how to do that. I do have a question, is, and this is something that uh, you find within the uh, wisdom uh, um, academic community, um, is you know, we talked about the fear of the Lord, um, the concept of fear, that awe-inspired sensibility towards God as creator. And that makes sense if you think about the source of wisdom, a lot of it coming from creation, the uh, uh, the observation of the ant and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, some have suggested for that reason um, that wisdom, true wisdom, can actually be detained just by pure observation of um, of creation, natural hmm. revelation. Yeah. You don't need the Bible for this uh, because you know Proverbs really doesn't seem to. You know, it it talks about it doesn't really use uh, scripture to instill right. wisdom. It right. talks about nature, uh, 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 family tradition that's passed on, uh, learning from uh, errors of the past. Uh, you know, things of this nature. Right. So I don't. What would you say that someone? Yeah, I mean, says I, that? I guess I go back to James. You know that, and and Proverbs too. You know that wisdom is unique because it is so observational it is so ingrained in kind of the regular rhythm of life and and those kinds of things but it ultimately comes from god that uh, the way the biblical writers see it is that it is a divine gift given to given to us human beings so solomon has to be given wisdom in order to be wise i don't need you don't need me to tell you that and similarly in james we are to pray to receive wisdom from God. So, so maybe the way to kind of think about that is while wisdom is written into the pages of creation, we, we, we should have gray here and can talk to us about natural revelation and special revelation, etc. Well, there is wisdom in the way in which the world functions because it all functions in, in accordance with God's greater wisdom um, that we are unable to see it for what it is apart from divine revelation we apart need, from right. the spirit which illuminates what well, uh, again james the the word of truth which um which is born inside of us and comes outside of us and only then can we do we have the the vision to see how the world is knit together i, I have a great example of this right. uh, you're gonna love this um we'll see well I'll, i hope you'll love this i i think i love it i think it's funny um but it really illustrates what you were mentioned, what you just mentioned of how we, we need special revelation. We need the word of God to interpret general rev, general revelation properly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this was years ago uh, uh, when I was still doing youth work. And um, there was a young boy in my youth ministry who had just per- this propensity for being dishonest or just stretching the truth in a way that was just a little too much. And, right. and so, you know, the parents were concerned and, and, and asked me to talk to the guy. And so I did. And, and so, you know, I, I kind of told him the old pair of, the old uh, fable about the boy who cried wolf. Right. You know, the story. everyone knows the story. You I know, know the, you, story, yeah. the guy who, you know, who's watching sheep. Uh, says there's a wolf coming, townspeople come, they realize that he lies. He does that over and over again until an actual wolf really does come. And then um, he cries wolf, but now the townspeople won't believe him. Right. And thus he gets devoured by the wolf. I always thought it's a little graphic for a children's thing, but I guess it communicates the point, right? What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is don't tell lies, right? I shared that story with this young youth kid and he said, and I asked him, what was the moral, what's the moral of the story? His conclusion was, you don't tell the same lie twice. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, because you know, it, 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 the story itself is ambiguous, right? It, well, I guess it illustrates a point. You see, it, it's not just general revelation alone that is, 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 uh, is what you need for wisdom. Right. You see, if it were that, then what's wrong with his conclusion? It sounds sort of wise in a manner of speaking. Right. The problem with it is that it's still immoral. It's the Bible that helps us to see that, no, the moral of the story is not to keep on telling more creative lies. The moral of the story is stop lying, be truthful. Mm-hmm. And But you need scripture, you see, right. to make that conclusion. Right. Uh, and uh, you need, it's, there's, this irony, there's this kind of paradox in wisdom that you need wisdom to understand wisdom. Exactly. And right. that can only come, and, th- and maybe that's the, the key that unlocks the riddle, that can only come as we approach God. And I love how James in particular, when he, when he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And then he goes on to say, let him ask in faith without doubting. And that word doubting needs some discussion and some exegesis there. That doesn't mean kind of like I've got a doubt in my head, but but double-mindedness, that we need to have a single-minded devotion to awe for God in order to, for the wisdom of the uh, his wisdom to be unlocked for us, to be given to us such that we can see how these things are, are to be interpreted. Right. And that could be the reason why, and I'd have to double-check this, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that this concept, you know, in other words, uh, the concept of the fear of the Lord yeah. as a beginning of wisdom yeah is a particularly Old Testament thing as wisdom literature goes in the ancient world. You know, everyone had, in the ancient world, and I suspect, you know, even in the New Testament world, you had wisdom teachers and wisdom um, uh, 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 philosophies of life. And in the Old Testament, it was exactly the same. In fact, one of the big issues that have been that has been raised is how much of Proverbs sounds like Egyptian wisdom literature or uh, um, Babylonian wisdom literature or even Aramaic wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. Everyone had wisdom literature and it they were all basically saying the same kind of stuff. You know, uh, don't be greedy, be humble, think of others before yourself, uh, you know, um, you know, respect your parents and listen to what they have to say. I mean, they're all saying the same things. Uh, but what sets aside uh, Old Testament wisdom literature 
is the fact that it begins theologically. Right. You know, the fear of the Lord. Uh, since we are talking about the Lord here, we could possibly make the case uh, covenantally, uh, the beginning point to understand wisdom in a biblical worldview is to first have a concept of God and a proper posture towards God. So, Peter, help, help me out here. What, what, how would you distinguish between like wisdom and law? Why, why do we need wisdom if we've got however many, how, however many laws that, that yeah. God has given us in the Old Testament? He's given us all these laws and instruction um, f- from every, everything from honor the Lord your God to how to treat an ox that fell in a ditch on your neighbor's property. So we've got all of these different laws to help us navigate life. Why do I need wisdom? Yeah, it's it's a really great question. It's really um, one of the areas of debate. Now, I do have a position on this, and I should say, I think it's a minority view. I don't think the majority uh, in the community uh, uh, say this. Great controversy well, coming it's, right at it's, you. It's, it's not, eh, it's, it's discussed. I don't think it's um, a super majority view. I think it's a pretty... Uh, my 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 view, though it's a minority view, it's a very uh, well respected minority view. I could be wrong, but okay. I've never served. Anyhow, give, give it to us. Give it to us straight. <laughs> I think that biblical wisdom is a specific application of biblical law. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that what you have here in Proverbs, for example, is the Book of Deuteronomy in wisdom shaped forms. Hmm. Um, in other words, I think as biblical ethics goes, if I can put it that way, you have the two great commandments, love God, love your neighbor. Um, the I don't necessarily think those are summaries. In fact, if you go back and read Matthew 22, where people presume that Jesus is summary, summarizing the law yeah. in loving God and loving neighbor, I, I don't think he says it that way. I think what he is saying is that these are the two great laws Um and that the subsequent laws that come after are sort of a specific outworking of those two. So, in other words, the Ten Commandments is is the specificity of how to love God, love your neighbor. Then you have uh, other biblical law that works out those ten principles a little bit more further in detail. I see. I see Solomon, for example, as one who's been endowed with wisdom, saw biblical law, and to a certain degree. Uh, wanted to either celebrate it or realized intuitively that it's it's not adequate for for godly living um, on its own yeah. on its own right yeah. and and what he needed to do which is a reformed view on on, on law mm-hmm. I don't think that's problematic theologically but uh, to make the law a little bit more accessible to the various different scenarios that you face in life that what he what he did was took um, Deuteronomy, and uh, re-taught um, it in more proverbial type phrases and sayings, and 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 thus a proverb is exactly yeah. what you know. What is a proverb? A proverb is just a short, pithy saying uh, that's memorable, that communicates a very clear application of life. Um, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. A penny saved is a penny earned. No pain, no gain. We just have a bunch of these short sayings, and the book of Proverbs, particularly chapters 10 to 31, are just a, a bunch of just short little uh, 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 wise phrases that I see as an application of biblical law. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious about this because 
tell me what you think, because one of the things that proverbial material does, wisdom literature does, and one of the needs of wisdom in general is, you know, like you said, that the pragmatics of it all, navigating life. And the law can't cover every situation that I face in life. You know, the law doesn't, if, if you've been a pastor for a year, you know that the book of church order just does not you'll cover every situation that you're going to face as a church, nor nor does the Bible address every situation directly, at least, that you're going to face as, as a church. And you need then that kind of practical thinking on your feet, but thinking in faith, way of navigating, way, way of navigating life. So, so try this on for size. Tell me what you think, that whereas uh, law gives us how to solve certain cases, it, it, you know, we get a, a, a derivation of certain kind of um, this situation, if, if, if you're facing problem X, here's solution Y, or don't do this, do that. If law addresses certain kind of cases that we might face and our duty is to, to obey, wisdom, by contrast, addresses the, the gray areas in a, in a more absolute in some ways, but meditative kind of way that the goal of wisdom is to actually draw me into a, a meditative state and where I'm, I'm kind of trying to navigate and understand the world and my relationship within the world. Yeah, I think that's, um, it, it's, it's very similar to that. The, the, there is a certain sense of absoluteness in biblical law. Um, you know, obey mom and dad. Right. Is there ever a time for you to disobey mom and dad according to law? Well, I guess you'd have to work at it, but... I can't really think of it, but wisdom is different. Uh, wisdom talks about, you know, uh, listen to what your dad has to say, don't disappoint your mother, <laughs> generally. Mm -hmm. But that presumes something, that presumes you have godly parents. What if your parents tell you to stop going to church? What if your parents tell you you can't read the Bible anymore? Do you, do you obey that? You see, wisdom accounts for scenarios and circumstances that biblical law does not. Right. And, um, you know, what about going to church? Is it, you know, from a legal standpoint, if I could put it that way, uh, the idea of worshiping regularly is a pretty solid thing. But, you know, what if what if your parents are, I actually knew of this situation, are physically uh, 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 abusing you because they, because you go to church on Sunday? Do you still keep going? Uh, is there wisdom? Per you see, I guess it deals with these type of scenarios that... Um, that biblical law may not. This is the reason why you have that classic example in Proverbs. Um, you know this back-to-back -back scenario of rebuke a fool, mm -hmm. and then don't rebuke a fool. Mm -hmm. It looks, you know, uh, Proverbs or wisdom teaching looks in the way contradictory in a way that biblical law cannot. You have two propositional truths that are that are radically opposite of each other, and and it looks that way. In, in wisdom literature. So, you know, the question then is what's going on in, in Proverbs or wisdom literature? You know, when do you rebuke a fool? When do you not rebuke right. a fool? And you have to think about that now. You've got to, yeah. there's not a flow chart here that I can kind of work my way through. It's, no, I have to meditate and pray. Um, it, it puts me in the posture of dependence upon upon. God and His Spirit for understanding, understanding both the Word and my circumstances, um, 
and is then adequately expressed only in, so far as I fear him and follow him in faith in the midst of the present the present trial. Uh, yeah, I like that way of putting it, Peter. That's really helpful. Yeah, so even, um, you know, uh, the, the proverb that says, you know, train up a child in the way that he should go, then all his life he will not depart from it or, right. or something right, like right. that. You know, um, people read that as if it's like prophecy. It's like a guaranteed yeah. formulaic plan, but it's wisdom. It All things being equal, you follow this plan and here's what will result, but it's all things being equal. Right. You have to take into account that the parents, a child and, and other factors. And so it's wise, it's wise uh, instruction it's just not prophetic, yeah. you know. And yeah, so and we find other proverbs that talk about the son who will not listen to the wise words of the father and is a disappointment to his mother and and that kind of thing. So we have to see both of those in in conversation with one another, as it were. So I, I think the way you said it earlier is exactly why um, you need wisdom to understand wisdom. I, I love that this is often what Jesus does too, right? In his own teaching, you'll. So the disciples will ask a question or the Pharisees will ask a question or the the leaders or some Jesus's interlocutors will inquire of him and he there's there's this kind of mismatch between the question that's asked and Jesus's answer um, and I think what Jesus is doing there is not, he's not sort of deliberately misunderstanding you know um, here's two coins um, right should we pay should we pay taxes to Caesar? What Jesus does is respond, of course, with, you know, give to Caesar that which is Caesar's, which is not, in some ways, not an answer. He didn't say yes or no. And it can feel like, you know, don't go to the elves for advice because they will tell you both yes and no. Um, Jesus is doing something like that. But he's but he's not. What he's often doing is what a wisdom teacher will do, which is to change your angle of vision so that you can see things from a divine perspective rather than our merely human perspective. It's it's not about life hacks. It's about fear of the Lord. And Jesus is pushing his audience to think not in terms of earthly matters, but in dependence upon the wisdom of God navigating the present circumstances. Um, often that, that disconnect between the question and the answer is Jesus altering our perspective so that we can think wisely and not just mechanically about or, what uh, we're doing. Right. Or perhaps uh, answering the better question. Yeah, it's not that it's an right. inappropriate question, but there's a there's a wiser question to ask that, that you're kind of heading towards. You just haven't quite got there. So let me answer by, yeah. by kind of rephrasing the question. Yeah. It's a lot of this sort of diagonalism and uh, uh, that you see in in the and that type of thing to to reshape the question in the answer, it's actually quite wise and strategic. Right. And so that when we're thinking about wisdom as a biblical concept, we can see Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Jesus is the wise one. He is the wise son of the Father, right? And you go back going back to the father son language of Proverbs. What Jesus does in his life and climactically in his death, is listen to, fear, obey, and honor his heavenly Father. And the Father, in turn, tells us, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and raises him 
to be yeah. wisdom for us. I, I think that's great. But you see, I think the connection with biblical law and its fulfillment in Christ in that way as the true wise man is is helpful for me because if if that's true, that that there's a connection, and again, it's debated whether that uh, that there's a connection between biblical law and biblical wisdom, then it gives us a way to understand and how to work through wisdom. We we have a in our reformed tradition, as you know, we have a great uh, robust understanding of biblical law <laughs> in a weird way. I mean, we have the threefold use of the law mm-hmm. in terms of the first use of it pointing us to Christ, our inability to hold the law that right. shows our need for Christ, a restraint against sin, and then just a, a moral way to, in fact, to live our Christian life. That I don't see why could not apply then in biblical wisdom. You have um, mm. wisdom is a way to show us because we are always going to be uh, in many ways the foolish man. Yeah, um, you know, we have all these things to kind of give us guidelines, but you know, sometimes we'll succeed, but we <laughs> most of the time we won't, um, and thus shows our need for a greater wisdom yeah. that is of Christ. Uh, wisdom is a restraint against sin and the and the propensity of sin. Wisdom gives us guidelines on how to live life successfully. Um, if we see that, you see, when you see, if you can see wisdom in the context of biblical law, it is, you know, it is sort of legal material in in the context of wise proverbial sayings. Then you can definitely see how it, it really is a trajectory towards Christ as the one who is altogether wise. Mm-hmm. You see, in the same way that we do that with biblical law, and He makes us wise. You know, as we He He was. He was wise, and insofar as now he's risen and given to us his spirit, that as we approach him in awe, reverence, we are we we too are made wise, and that that we are given that gift from him as the as a perfect human being. Amen. I think that's great. Well, thanks, Peter. Uh, I don't have anything else to say. I, this was great. This was a fun discussion, it, um, and I'm glad we had a chance to do it, just the two of I us. I know, just the two of us. Next week, we will be back with the full cast of uh, characters, so you can be thankful uh, for that. Until then, like and subscribe, pass along the the links and, and, and do the socials and all that kind of stuff. We're glad to have you listening with us. Let us know if you have any questions. Uh, feel free to post questions in the comment section and uh, send them our way. We love to handle reader questions uh, as as we move forward. We're hoping to do that more and more. Um, Thanks. easier for me in a sense since there's books dedicated to oh this oh i get it there's no wisdom in the new testament no, i see no what you're doing peter wisdom i mean james is about as close as you have that you've got sections in paul but you don't think jesus was a wisdom teacher well no no i'm not saying that either i'm just saying from a a book standpoint hmm. Hmm. do you should i say that i think it's easier for old testament guys to do wisdom and then um
I just we gotta figure out the intro. I'm here with I'm here with Peter Lee. Peter, you don't you haven't memorized Scott's intro, have you? Do you want to give it a shot? Uh, I I did it once. I forget. Um, it was Gray, Paul, me, and uh, I gave it. I did something. It wasn't quite exactly the same. But... Welcome to the faculty podcast at RTS Washington, part of a fifty-plus year effort endeavor. Endeavor fifty-plus year endeavor. Endeavor to not effort. Uh, endeavor to. Um... We're not trying. We're we're endeavoring. You know, we can just listen to it. There is we? no try. <laughs> Um, well, in any case, I'm here with Dr. Peter oh, Lee. Is this okay it is, I... this is recording. Yes. Right. Should I start again? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. With, with, when the rest of the faculty isn't here, it's, it's going to be a mess. Um,